Good evening and Happy New Year. Welcome to Plan Lehigh Valley. The WDIY program done in conjunction with the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission. I'm your host, Greg Caponia. Tonight, we welcome back co-host Becky Bradley, the executive director of the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission, and Matt Assad, its managing editor. Hi, Becky and Matt. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Happy New Year. Happy this, New Year. Yeah. <laughs> on this evening's show, we will take a look at the very important but less talked about transportation projects that got done in 2023. The kind you never hear about but are incredibly important to the local communities. We're fortunate to have as our guest Lehigh Valley Planning Commission transportation planner Brian Height. Brian has been with the commission since 2015, where his primary duties include freight infrastructure planning and traffic data collection and analysis, as well as helping to build and implement the region's $485 million transportation improvement program and a $4.3 billion 25-year-long-range plan, transportation plan, that is. Brian Uh, has a special expertise in warehouse and logistics and brings a unique perspective to these issues because before becoming a transportation planner, Brian was a heavy-duty diesel mechanic, and he still holds a commercial license to drive an 18-wheeler. He's a recent graduate of the Eastern Transportation Coalition Freight Academy and a former guest on our show, so I should say welcome back, Brian. Thank you. It's glad to be back. All right. Matt. We regularly talk about all the really big projects on roads like Route 22 or uh, the Interstate uh, Interstate 78. But tonight, we're going to talk about projects that may fly under the radar. There are some, aren't there? Yeah, uh, we do tend to talk about those really big projects, and, and that makes perfect sense, right? So 100,000 people drive on 22. 20- two every day, another 70,000 are on 33 and 78. Uh, and when you spend, you know, $90 million to replace a bridge on 22, that's what people are going to focus on. That's probably what we're going to talk about. But for every project like that, there are literally hundreds going on behind the scenes that are just as impactful to the communities where they are located. With this year ending, uh, those are the projects we're going to talk about today. In fact, Congress requires us to do a listing every year, and we prepare that, and it's called the Listing of Obligated Projects, which is a really terrible name for how money was spent on transportation projects throughout the year. Probably should be called, you know, Stuff We Got Done Last Year. So, yes, we're going to talk about those projects uh, that you may not have heard but still make a huge difference in the community where they're located. Well, for the purposes of this show, we are going to call it Stuff We Got Done Last Year or Stuff You Got Done Last Year. Becky, does the... With our many partners. Yeah, yeah. And we speak to them right here. Becky, how does the LVPC fit into the picture? Yeah, it's a really, really, really good question. A lot of our role has to do with transportation planning and then the regulatory compliance that really keeps the spigot open so money can flow out to the various infrastructure needs that are identified across the region. So the first thing that we always do as we look at where do we have crashes and serious injuries? Where are we seeing changing traffic patterns? Do we have congestion in certain locations? We also look at things, uh, concentration of 
of people and jobs, look at the transit system and where Atlanta has their buses going. And we basically organize all of that along with looking at environmental concerns and issues of historic preservation and the like into a giant analysis. And we match that up with the uh, state of the infrastructure. So what are our bridge conditions? Do we have roads that are now starting to see uh, flooding or are taking heavier weight vehicles that then require the road to be rebuilt. And then we utilize all that information to work with the Lehigh Valley Transportation Study to identify priority projects. We're required to keep our budget fiscally constrained, so um, we don't borrow money for our region's infrastructure. Um, and we have to live within the budget that primarily the federal government gives us, but a usually a 20% is provided by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania through the Pennsylvania legislature's budget each year. So as a result of that, there's a, a lot of requirements in order to access those public dollars and get them out on the street. And so then we go through the regulatory compliance process, again, to keep that spigot open. So those priority projects that are identified based on need can be accomplished. And then that's where Brian comes in. Brian, <laughs> tell us about it. <laughs> well, for the last seven years, I've lived this list. Yeah, it's the sure uh, it's a comprehensive list of and it, to expand upon what Matt said earlier, it's the federal obligation in the preceding federal fiscal year, which this year we're talking about federal fiscal year 2023. Now, the federal fiscal year runs from October 1st to September 30th, not to get confusing, but that's how the federal government works. So obligated projects are those that have been approved by the federal government for reimbursement and they're originating from the Transportation Improvement Program or the TIP. This report, this reporting is a federal requirement for the past several transportation funding laws, including the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act or the IIJA, or as some call it, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law or bill. We are required to report to PennDOT and our federal partners in the Federal Highway Administration and the Federal Transit Administration. It's part of the reporting process of the Lehigh Valley Transportation uh, Study, our sister organization, to the federal government and ultimately Congress as they want to know where their money is being spent and on which projects and what is being accomplished. We also expand upon our report for transparency and include projects that are getting underway, as well as those that have been completed or accomplished. It's a checks and balances in essence. Brian, as a person who holds a commercial license to drive an 18-wheel truck, how does that affect what you do? It gives me a better perspective as, as our freight and logistics and warehousing and manufacturing have grown in, in the eight and a half years I've been here. I bring my experience of what truck drivers and large vehicles need for development and to actually be safely integrated into our transportation network. I enjoy educating uh, our municipalities on, oh, we're going to have a warehouse coming. How do we accomplish this and have them integrate and not harm our communities the best that we can? So. I, I take pride in that, and uh, the organization sent me to that Eastern Transportation Coalition, the Freight Academy, which was an immersive class for a year, uh, for a year. It felt like a year. It was a week. And uh, 
they were 12 to 16 hour days in, in Northern Jersey, but that gave me a, a, a linkage of my education of how what happens in other areas of the country affect what we do in the Leah Valley and vice versa. Nothing like having somebody who's walked the walk to be involved in these programs. Yeah, it's got to it's got to really be helpful. So, so Brian, can you uh, name some of these under the radar projects that maybe people don't know have happened but are now benefiting from them? Absolutely, there are, there are a lot of projects that people might not think they benefit from, but actually lead to a better quality of life and mobility for our residents, visitors, and businesses. One example. People normally think about roads, but one of our trail networks and our commuter trail connectivity. Uh, the Leah Valley completed a segment of the DNL trail from Catasauqua Borough to Canal Park in Hanover Township. The pandemic really exposed our vast trail network and the citizens of the valley really want to use these trails and filling in these trail gaps to enable a safe usage of the trails and also a healthier alternative to motorized transportation we are also embracing a vision of a vision zero policy of no deaths related to transportation infrastructure. Safety is and always will be a defining priority for everything we do. So giving people different options is critical to what we do and what we stand for in our mission. Another ongoing project is the freeway service patrols. Those are those tow trucks contracted by PennDOT that support motorists on 22, Route 33, 309, and Interstate 78 that become disabled or have a mechanical issue or are involved in an accident. These trucks assist in getting vehicles out of the travel lanes to minimize the congestion as well as make it safer for roadside assistance and emergency personnel on scene. People on these roads probably see these trucks and don't even realize they are funded through our organization, through PennDOT and the federal government to help mobility on our highest traveled roads and mitigate the congestion that often occurs on accident scenes or disabled vehicles. We do see them out on the roads and I know people really appreciate those. How often do they get out? They are assigned to go out during the PM or AM peak hours, usually between seven and nine. Sometimes they can go a little earlier or a little later, depending on the traffic flows. And on in the evenings, our highest travel periods of day where they would need to help assist clearing the congestion that occurs. And is there any yeah, charge for the person that's even trying- like someone pulled over on the side of the road would cause a traffic jam? Right. So you don't even have to have an accident at those really peak hours. So, I mean, there's folks probably being helped by this and they don't even know it because they're not in a traffic jam (laughs) because they got somebody else off the road. And when there is an accident, they can assist the state police or the local police by putting up message boards to merge left or, you know, get out of this travel lane. So it's a collaborative effort and it, it really works well. Can you tell me about some other projects that that you've completed in 2023? First one I want to highlight is uh, Route 611. Uh, It's a resurfacing project that was completed in Williams Township. It's along the Delaware uh, River in southeastern Northampton County. It was a $3.2 million resurfacing of 3.4 miles of this key scenic road that connects the Leah Valley to Point South along the Delaware River, as I mentioned. It is used by more than 5,000 motorists a day, and it's a a critical north-south connection for the residents, the visitors, and to the businesses of that area. There's not a lot of direct north-south routes, and this is one of them, and they did the resurfacing to 
keep that in a good state of repair. Uh, another one is the wire mill bridge in Allentown. That was an $8 million uh, replacement of a 1940s open grate bridge over to Little Lehigh Creek. Uh, it serves as a key connection between South Allentown and the Central Business District of Allentown, including a key pedestrian path for students going to Building 21, which is the Allentown School District Charter School. It is used by 15,000 motorists a day, and because the detour was more than a mile away, a temporary pedestrian bridge was erected by PennDOT during construction because this is a key travel path for pedestrians and people using alternative modes of transportation, such as bicycles. Another one was in the city of Easton, a two-way street conversions. They turned several one-way streets in the central business district to two-way streets, improving safety and traffic flow. It is key to making uh, Easton's downtown more pedestrian and bike friendly, while making it a less confusing to get around. One-way streets are typically less safe because they invite people to speed because everybody's going in the same direction. Uh, another key one was the Route 100 reconstruction in Upper Mukunji. Uh, this $25 million reconstruction was a full-depth reconstruction of over five miles of a key corridor traveled by 25,000 cars a day, including 5,000 of which are trucks moving goods through the region. This roadway is at the epicenter of the warehouse and logistics industry that employs 30,000 people in that township. Another one is the Geiger's Covered Bridge in North Whitehall. This is a, was a 400,000 rehabilitation of a beloved covered bridge that was built in 1860. While this bridge is important to get cars across the Jordan Creek, it is also an integral part of the region's character and heritage because it predates motorized vehicles and is a key component of our covered bridge tour that is throughout the Lehigh Valley. And finally, I want to mention Fountain Hill pedestrian enhancements. Mm -hmm which were upgrades to the pedestrian ramps and intersection crossings at Broadway and Delaware Avenue in Fountain Hill Borough. We mention this because it increases safety and around the busy area around St. Luke's Hospital's flagship campus, and because it is an example of dozens of similar projects done in the communities across the region, we're talking about sidewalks and intersections that will ultimately save lives. Thank you, Brian. Becky, I see the overall list includes a lot of intersection improvements. Why do we invest so much in these types of projects? Well, intersections are one of the places that we have the greatest number of safety concerns. You have a, a lot of traffic coming together from different directions, people making turns, um, and that increases the prob probability of collisions. Uh, so, you know, making sure that our intersections function as safely as they possibly can is critical. Also, too, because, you know, more is more, right? More people, more jobs, more traffic. Um, and where some of our intersections are seeing a lot more trucks and passenger vehicles and delivery vans and work trucks and stuff going through them, as well as pedestrians and cyclists and people using mobility devices than we ever have in, in certain locations. As a result of that, looking at signal co coordination and timing is important. The other thing that's really started to happen, and this stuff's pretty cool, is um, there's smart traffic signal systems now. 
that actually learn traffic patterns and can adjust day by day based on everything from commute times. And obviously that's changed a lot with hybrid work and, and other things in the Lehigh Valley. So where we can install those along primary commuter corridors is really helpful to reducing congestion, which then reduces tailpipe emissions and helps us to um, improve our air quality where we can, as well as make things safer. So there's there's all kinds of reasons to focus on intersections and why it's such a high priority for uh, the Lehigh Valley Transportation Study. Yeah, and I don't really know the statistics on it, but that is where most of the injuries and fatalities are. They're in intersections, so it makes a lot of sense to invest there. Is this people who just don't look up when they have their head buried in the phone? It's part of it. Uh, two, I mean, the amount of aggress aggressive driving that's occurring now. It, it's I don't know what happened during the pandemic. It, it wasn't rainbows and unicorns prior to that in terms of transportation safety by any stretch of the imagination. But since the pandemic, I mean, people I've seen just in my own travels have seen people like not even stopping at stop signs or just pumping the brakes and blazing through and people just uh, a light has turned red, but they want to just make that left hand turn and blow through the intersection anyway. Right, right. Uh, and there's a lot of bad driver behavior. So, I mean, it's an important question that you asked, because at the end of the day, we can put in all of the system improvements possible with our partners in our local governments and at the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. But if driver behavior doesn't improve, then it doesn't matter what we invest in, um, we're still going to see unacceptable levels of collisions, fatalities, and serious injuries. Everyone's life matters. Um, and we have committed, the LBTS has committed, uh, they did this in November and adopted a resolution um, for what we call Vision Zero. So that's working towards no uh, deaths or serious fatalities of any kind in the transportation system. Does the Planning Commission have a feeling about traffic circles? What can you tell me about traffic circles? Do they work? Yeah, they do. Um, I'll kick it off, and then I can tell um, Brian is, is going to want to weigh in on this one, too, and maybe even Matt. All right. I love them for a whole host of reasons. I'll give my top two, and then I'll kick it over to uh, my colleague, Mr. Height. <laughs> okay. So my top two reasons for liking traffic circles are basically they help reduce congestion because they keep traffic moving. My second reason for top, of top two reasons uh, for, for liking them is they don't require electricity in the way that a, a signalized intersection does, which actually has a greater environmental benefit as well as a financial benefit for whoever is paying for mm -hmm. the electricity into that traffic signal. It's oftentimes a local government um, or the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, um, even potentially a county, but it's, it's mostly our local governments and to some extent PennDOT. That has a tremendous impact on taxes. And so where we can make places safer, make them operate more efficiently, um, save taxpayers and help improve the environment is a win-win in my book. Brian, Brian it, I know you got reasons too. Yeah, is it difficult, well, to, is it difficult to change a, a four-corner stop into a traffic circle? There are sometimes there are right-of-way constraints. Uh, usually they need a little bit more right-of-way at a, a previous intersection. Mm -hmm. the one thing I like about them is they're also like a traffic calming device as well. If you have a long stretch of road, 
that has an intersection concern and you have the available right-of-way, it actually will slow traffic while also keep traffic moving. Where a traffic signal, you come to a complete stop and then that can lead to air quality issues as, as well. Now, if you travel around the world and you travel through Europe, you'll see roundabouts everywhere. They're everywhere. And they really work and they're, they're proven. They don't necessarily eliminate all accidents, but they really minimize the severity of them. There's not a lot of fatalities. There's a lot of side flight, people not being patient. But once they learn how to use them, the one of the classic is our neighbors to the west, Berks County, they installed a, a series of them along Route 222. And the residents were opposed, but now that they're constructed and they're operational, they want more of them. So as we get more and more in the Lehigh Valley, I think you'll see a more embracing. They're not the typical circles that used to be in New Jersey that everybody hated. These are designed a little differently. So in the mayor, a, a traffic circle does not have lights in it. So what you have in Easton is not, it's not a roundabout. It's a, that's a signalized signalized circle yes a signalized circle. square that's different center yeah. square yeah. well that's maybe that's why they call it center square yeah and brian oh, can yeah. correct me if i'm wrong but i think we just got our first roundabout on route 222. our first arterial road is currently under construction they're just wrapping it up at Shantz road and 222 in western uh, leigh county uh, one of our, our first couple smaller ones was at actually at the former sands casino now the wing creek casino in, in the in the main entrance there was a small roundabout and i actually in southern lehigh school district they put one in front of their school to help with mobility of getting the buses out when DeSales university would let out at the same time the buses were having trouble getting out of the school district property so that roundabout actually helped mobility getting back to becky's point about congestion and making mobility a little easier than complete stops Becky, the bipartisan infrastructure law, does that allow you to do more things in the short term? Oh my gosh, yes. It's a miracle. Um, so, and, and this is where, you know, Congress came together. That's why a lot of people call it the bipartisan infrastructure law, but it's, it, the technical name is the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, or what we all call the IIJA. And really what that did is it it's the primary funding mechanism for infrastructure in America. And it's matched largely by state funds from the Pennsylvania legislature. So as you can see, it requires our federal government and our state government to come together. And then um, by a formula, funds are allocated down uh, to our region. But we've been able to work really hard to increase our budget, um, nearly double it over the next uh, 25 years because of that investment by Congress and then the match investment investment by the Pennsylvania legislature. So um, we are going to be doing more. And what that's really allowed PennDOT and our local governments and the counties for their bridges to do is to maintain the system, but also start to position it for the future. Uh, we were getting very behind just because the investment hadn't increased for so long, but costs had increased. We we're getting very behind in the maintenance of infrastructure nationwide. I mean, we heard it over and over again prior to the adoption of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And we certainly saw it every day here in the Valley and in a high growth area 
area like the Lehigh Valley, we need even more resources. So uh, we've worked really hard at the LVPC to go out to Harrisburg and then advocate that we get higher percentage of the funding formula um, that matches our growth. And so we were able to work with the state and USDOT to increase that uh, again to help us over the next 25 years. But the truth is, is we still like today, what we know today, we're still short about $2.3 billion for um, maintenance of the infrastructure. But it's a heck of a lot better than the you know $8 billion that uh, we thought it was going to be just a few years ago. So there's definitely progress made. Um, and I think the important thing to note is, is this is, you know, if you're driving a gasoline powered vehicle, um, this is where that gas tax goes to, is to maintain, maintain. So you can get from your house to wherever else you need to go to your job and, and vice versa, and that the goods can get to your grocery store um, and ultimately into your refrigerator and that your children can get to school and other things. Um, infrastructure has a cost uh, and, and that cost is uh, gotta be borne um, by more than one person or more than one entity. And, and that's where tax dollars go to maintain the system. Matt, where I live, there's a lot of construction going on in the roads and People are complaining about that it's taking too long, and yeah, it's an inconvenience, but it doesn't really feel like it's taking as long as it should. Do, do these things take a long time, or these these little projects? We hear that a lot, too. I mean, that's kind of a complex question. I think Becky could answer better, but let me sort of lurch into this thing. <laughs> so there's so many moving parts with every project in so many phases, and in many cases, they can't be done simultaneously. You know, even after the project, it's on the long range transportation plan and on the transportation improvement program, which federal requirements require it be on those lists first. That can take years alone just to get to those. But even after that point, there's design and there's engineering and then there's environmental assessments. And, and that environmental assessment can take a long time, especially if it's near an animal habitat. That complicates things further. And, and if there's any right of way to be acquired, that takes longer. And if if there's a, a property owner that wants to challenge the right-of-way taking, then that extends it Got even it. further. So there's all of these things. And they won't even go to final design or approach a property owner until that environmental assessment is settled. So all of that is very time-consuming. And that's even before you get to construction. You know, once you have construction, that that's a whole different set of complexities you know, because in most cases, if you're replacing a bridge or a road, they do it and, and they allow traffic to continue. So you're sort of replacing one side of the bridge while the other side keeps going and then they got to move it over. It's almost like replacing the bridge twice. Got it. So that extends the amount of time that it takes. And, and it's all has to be done but through federal guidelines. And, I mean, we're spending public money. So there there is a lot of federal guidelines that go before everything. It's a puzzle. It's like that puzzle on your on your dining thousand, you know, piece puzzle on your dining room table. Not only do you have to find out where all the pieces go, but you have to put them all down in exactly the right order. And and even if you're really efficient at it, which you know, this may not be the narrative that most people think. PennDOT is really efficient at it. Even if you're really efficient at it, it just takes a long time. We have roads we can be proud of here, Becky. We only just have about a minute left. Um, this has really been interesting, and there's a lot of information. Can you close us out by just telling us if we missed anything or what should people know about as we conclude this program? I, I mean, it's a slight reiteration, but I'll, I'll try to take it a slightly 
more detailed way. So, I mean, again, we're investing, right? And the LVTS's work keeps that spigot open so the people that do the transportation work can get it done. Um, in our local governments, um, every person in the Lehigh Valley, every business in the Lehigh Valley, our state and our federal um, agencies and governments, we all benefit from a transportation system. It's critical for emergency management services and response. It's critical for our economy. Um, it's critical for every single one of us. Um, and that transportation program covers everything from making sure that the transit system can operate to making sure that we have safe crosswalks for pedestrians and people using mobility devices uh, to, you know, maintaining our road and bridge network. But it also allows us to start to position our infrastructure for the future. And that's critical um, as we're in this massive time of growth and change. With that, we're out of time. Brian, Becky and Matt, thank you so much for uh, all this great information on Plan Lehigh Valley. And of course, thank you, Greg. Yeah, thank yeah. You. This is this is really interesting. Um, we never know all the things that go into what you do, and so it's always such an interesting conversation to learn more about where we live. As always, if you would like to once again listen to this program, go to wdiy.org or the WDIY app. And I'd like to remind everyone that all of our programs are archived for podcast and. They appear in somewhat of a linear, you know, if you go to the podcast, you'll be able to listen to a series of Plan Lehigh Valley shows that are really interesting, and they all fit together like a puzzle. I'm your host, Greg Caponia, and this is WDIY 88.1 FM. Happy New Year, and have a great evening. <music>